Welcome to What the Famicom, home of video game nonsense. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to the very first episode of What the Famicom podcast, uh, the gaming podcast for, you know, what the fuck moments. If anyone's not familiar with the Famicom, let me introduce you. I am basically a gaming comedy page social media presence. Uh, I'm not popular. I don't have many followers. I kind of just wanted to do this because I thought it'd be fun. I thought it'd be funny. I kind of got tired of unfunny gaming clips, unfunny Facebooks, memes, articles, everything that just tried really hard and I just got sick, sick and tired of it. And I wrote my own stuff. I made my own photoshops, memes, gameplay videos, stuff like that. And I just, cause I just, I'm sick and tired of people writing about Mario games or, you know, sucking the dick of the last of us because they love that game so much. Like talk about something new, talk about something different make fun of something make fun of something you love make fun of something you hate like don't be afraid to dislike something all because this like culture is like you know like what you like like don't attack me like just like whatever man do whatever you want to do and i kind of got tired of it being boring so i decided to just kind of roll with this what it started out as was just obviously what the famicom is the combination of what the fuck plus the word Famicom, which is, to anyone unfamiliar, Famicom is the name of the original Nintendo that came out in Japan. Before it was the Nintendo, it was called the Famicom. So if that name didn't make any sense, now it does. Now you get why the gaming connection is there. Um, I made that. I started an Instagram. I, start, I changed my name on Twitter. Kind of just stuck to the whole gaming funny thing. Now, whether you think it's funny is another question, but I tried to be funny. And I tried to just stick to following that mold of participating in jokes that were just, you know, just gaming related. Even if it was a person that's not related to gaming, I would just fuck with them and do that. So it went from an Instagram and Twitter to I started writing articles for an independent gaming site called Game Savvy. So a little shout out there if you guys are listening. I appreciate you taking me in. I wrote for them for two months. I wrote a couple articles. They got published. I really enjoy the shit out of doing that because I wrote about memories and things and games that nobody writes about, nobody talks about, nobody cares to talk about, and I kind of made it, at least I thought, somewhat interesting. So I was pretty happy about that. And after that, I decided to try my hand at just taking this brand and rolling with it further, make a website, just combine all the stuff I have. Well, the website fell through because the website makers, it was like a free website maker or a bunch of fuck faces, and they deleted half of my articles on there because they don't know how to manage it. So it kind of deterred me. And then I just figured the next step was to do a podcast. It's easy. I can just send it out there. I don't think I really need a website. Uh, and if you want to listen to it, that's great. My whole objective is for this podcast is to just talk about bullshit that nobody talks about in the gaming world. Maybe little like Easter eggs you didn't know about in games or mundane things that I can try to make sound exciting in video games or old games, new games, just making fun of everything, giving you knowledge that you didn't really know you wanted and maybe still don't. But if you have 45 minutes, 50 minutes to listen, maybe I can just give you something new to talk about. 
Uh, so what I, for a topic, I wasn't really sure what to talk about for my first episode. I could talk about anything. I can talk about Overwatch. I can talk about Twitch. I could talk about uh, Mario. I can talk about Nintendo. I can, there were so many things to talk about to kind of just roll with it. And what I wanted to do was just combine something else that I loved beside video games. So if, any, if anyone's known me for the past 30 some years, they know I've talked about two things, video games and the band Guns N' Roses. Now, whether you, whether you like Guns N' Roses or not, it's another question, but I've loved the band Guns N' Roses since 1998. They're my favorite band. Everybody knows I talk about them nonstop. And I just figured that maybe if I can combine the two, maybe see references in both, vice versa, maybe it'd be a fun thing to talk about. And so I did a little digging. And what I found was the references and the residue and cookie crumbs of the band actually go back to 1989, two years after they actually debuted, you know, with their debut album, Appetite for Destruction. It came out in 87. Just to give you a refresher, you probably already know this or don't care, but it'll come in you know, reference later. It's Axl Rose, Slash, everybody knows those two, Duff McKagan, Izzy Stradlin, and Steven Adler. Those are the, that's the most popular lineup of the band that recorded that debut album. So at the time, those were the guys. Those were, everyone saw them on MTV. So I guess games wanted to use them or just jump on the popularity. So the very first game to try to do that was Capcom's Final Fight. And I'm sure you guys have heard of this. It's a beat-em-up game from Capcom. It came out in the arcades and then ported to the consoles. It came out in the arcades in December 1989. And it was a launch title for the Super Nintendo in Japan in 1990. I didn't realize that the Super Nintendo came out in 1990 in Japan. Then it came out in 91, the U.S., a year later. And then in 92 for all the European countries. It was actually originally supposed to be a street, basically be Street Fighter 2. When they were making it, they saw how popular Double Dragon became. Everyone knows Double Dragon, and they saw that it was blowing up. And they were like, shit, we really fucked up. We're about to make a fighting game. People don't want to play that right now. People want to play, you know, side-scrolling beat-em-ups. So they shifted gears. They had another team working on actual Street Fighter 2, and they created Final Fight into its own thing. They made up a little plot, you know, they went their own way. And just to give you a, a little information about Final Fight, here's the story. I took this off Wikipedia. There could be another version of it, but here's what it said there. The story of Final Fight involves the abduction of Mayor Mike Haggard's daughter, Jessica, because he would not work with the Mad Gear Gang to ensure their dominance of the streets. That makes sense. Why, you know, why wouldn't you work with the Mad Gear Gang? Fucking stupid-ass mayor. When the Mad Gear Thug damned... That's a badass name. Contacts Hagger and informs him of the dire situation. Hagger calls up his daughter's boyfriend, Cody, and his sparring partner, Guy. The three vigilantes then headed to the streets of Metro City. And I guess that's where you start the game. Uh, Final Fight, I vaguely remember. I, I always thought it was just a fighting game. I really, before I got this information, I didn't fucking know it was a, like a double dragon clone. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, so, like I said, it was supposed to be Street Fighter 2. Maybe you didn't know that. And then it became its own thing. Well, the further you get into the game, you run into guys of the Mad Gear Gang. And one of them, one of the bosses, was named Axel. And his pallet swap character, which is basically just the same model with just, you know, black hair and a hat, 
was actually Slash, the guitarist. The character shows up towards the end of the game, and its appearance, his appearance is basically what Axl Rose looked like at the time. Axl Rose was a really skinny dude. They just bulked him up, made him a little bit taller. But it was like, oh, this dude's fucking famous. Let's throw him in a video game. Uh, I don't think a lot of people remember this. I didn't fucking know this. So he actually shows up, you know, the Axl character actually shows up in Street Fighter games in the future. They actually showed up in Street Fighter Alpha 2 and 3. Just showed up in the background of one of the stages. I haven't played a Street Fighter game outside of Street Fighter 3, so I don't know anything about these. He showed up in Street Fighter 5 in the story mode for Abigail. He also was in Street Fighter Cross at Tekken and Ultra Street Fighter 4. First off, there's fucking way too many Street Fighter games. Why the fuck are... The, like, hey, it's cool that Axel's in a Street Fighter game now, but it's, like, why? So, Axel and Slash made their video game debut in December of 1989 in a final fight. And I think that's really fucking cool. I had no clue about any of this. And of course, like, if you don't like Guns N' Roses and you are listening to this podcast, it's a really stupid thing to do because I'm kind of just rolling with the punches and just talking about them in video games. Uh, so yes, Final Fight was the first time somebody made a reference to the band Guns N' Roses. It wouldn't be the last, obviously. So Metro City was saved from the anguish of the Mad Gear gang and damned an excellent slash. So fuck you guys. I hope the mayor got his daughter back. I never played Final Fight. So, uh, there's actually like a trillion Final Fight games. I know it got ported to Game Boy Advance, like all these other things. So, the next reference was a more famous one. It was actually Sega's Streets of Rage. Um, it came out in Japan in August 91, the U.S. in September of 91, October of 91 for the European countries. And it came out in the Sega Genesis, the Sega Mega Drive, the Game Gear version released a year later. Now, Streets of Rage, everybody knows that's like a side-scrolling beat-em-up. So again, you know, another side-scrolling beat-em-up. That's fine. You know, it's just easier. Like, these games take place in the streets. Guns N' Roses tried to be like a street-level band. You know, gritty and grimy. I get it. So let me just give you a plot summary. Again, I, I think I took this off of Wikipedia. So if it's wrong, whatever. It says, The once peaceful city has been taken over by a criminal syndicate. I don't know what's, what fucking city is it talking about. Whatever. Including factions of the police. Oh, wow. That's terrible. Mass violence is now common and no one is safe. Adam Hunter, an accomplished boxer, Blaze Fielding, a judo expert, and Axel Stone, a skilled martial artist, are young ex-police officers who have quite the force to fight back against the syndicate. So there you go. Right in one of the names is Axel Stone. And the character model, just three characters. Again, it's a beat-em-up. The character model... Doesn't really look like him. It's just a dude, blonde hair. I think he has a bandana. Probably denim vest. And they didn't really go for the look as they did with Final Fight. And that's fine. They just wanted to throw an Axel. They spell it differently. Axel Rose's name is AXL. This guy is AXEL. But who the fuck do you know named Axel in that period? There's only, there was one of the most famous people on the planet was named Axel. So you're just going to associate it with that. Uh, over time, I remember playing this. I remember loving this. I remember this game vividly. I remember playing two and three because they all come out in the Sega Genesis. And I, the third one came out in the mid nineties and I still played it. And they just, the Streets of Rage uh, franchise just kind of died. 
And then in August of 2018, Streets of Rage 4 was announced randomly. I don't fucking know why, but, you know, Axel's still in it. And I think it just continues the story of these jabronis fighting the, some syndicate in some generic-ass city. I hope, uh, you know, who knows where the fuck that is. It, it, I couldn't find anywhere where it took place. But anyway, uh, an interesting fun fact about this is it came out one day after Guns N' Roses' second big release, which was their first big release was their debut. Their second huge release was their double album that came out in 1991. And that came out on the September 17th, 1991. Streets of Rage came out September 18th, 1991. So I don't think that was planned. I think it's just a weird coincidence, but I think it's a fucking cool coincidence nonetheless. I think it's really interesting that that lined up. And, you know, Streets of Rage is a really fucking fun game. I'd probably check out Streets of Rage 4 when it happens. I'm not a mega fan. I just remember the guy being Axel. And as I got older, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, the guy named Axel. Cool. Maybe I'll write about this someday and be a loser and have a podcast no one listens to. Continuing. What we have next is we jump a good nine years until, I mean, Axel, the name Axel was, you know, still in the Streets of Rage games. So let's just say like a five or six year difference. Their next reference came in the PlayStation game Mega Man X, also known as Rockman X5. It's actually Mega Man X5. Sorry about that. It was the fifth entry in the Mega Man X series. I don't know. I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't know dick about the Mega Man X series. After Mega Man 3, after Mega Man 4, if it's not actually just one singular Mega Man, I have no clue what's going on. Because in this, you can play as Mega Man X or Zero, and Zero is just a red Mega Man with a ponytail. So who cares? Who, like, who follows the Mega Man mythology? What happened in the days of just the, him going after a guy named Cutman? And him throwing scissors at you. Like, who needs to get deep in Mega Man mythology? You're a fucking weirdo if, you know, you have a lore book of Mega Man. But anyway, back to the point. Mega Man X5. It came out in Japan November 30th, 2000. In North America, February 1st, 2001. And all European countries in August 3rd, 2001. It actually was re-released twice in the Mega Man X collection. GameCube and PS2 in 2006, and it came back out on the PlayStation Network in 2014. So they just kept re-releasing it. It was just a really popular, you know, series, Mega Man X. I remember vaguely hearing about it, but I'm like, uh, what happened to the blue guy? Who the fuck are you? So in it, he fights a group of villains. I don't know what happened to Dr. Wily. Probably dead or I don't fucking know. But the group of villains are called the Mavericks. And I guess the creator wanted to change things up. So instead of just giving them normal, like, robot-centric names, he decided to name them after Guns N' Roses members, which was fucking weird. And, like, what a random thing to do to break tradition of Mega Man, but I love it. What he did was they were called Mavericks, and I'm going to tell you the name of the original names. So the original names stuck until recently. The original names were Canon, which is fucking wild. The original names were Axel the Red. So when it got re-released and changed, he was called Spike Rose Red. There was Grizzly Slash, which is changed to Crescent Grizzly. Duff McWhalen, 
which got changed to Tidal Whale. Izzy Glow, which got changed to Shining Firefly. None of these are fucking even, like, rhyming. You would think that they would try to somewhat just flip the words. They're not even trying. Squid Adler, which got changed to Volt Kraken. Dark Dizzy, which is Dark Necrobat. And Match Matt Rex, which got changed to Burn Dino Rex. I kind of like the second one better, to be honest. But it doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, again, I don't know anything about the Mega Man X series. I don't know if Mavericks are like his go-to villains. If he was, they're the guys he's been fighting since Mega Man X1. I don't really give a shit. Um, but every re-release, the two times it's been re-released, those names have stuck in the game. They've been canon. Somehow Capcom was like, yeah, sure, you can put Guns N' Roses members in there. We don't care. They're not even in the band anymore. Guns N' Roses isn't even a thing when these games got released and re-released. And it's just wild. But in 2018, there was kind of like, there's been a Mega Man resurgence in the past couple years. If anyone's noticed, Mega Man 9, Mega Man 10, they kind of harken back to the look and the feel of old Mega Man names. Well, they released them as collections. And they knew fans loved the Mega Man X collection. So what they did was put them together and release them on the Switch, the Xbox, the PlayStation. But decided to finally cut out the names of the Guns N' Roses members, which was truly heartbreaking. So they changed them all to the names, you know, I previously stated. And Mega Man X Collection 1 and 2 came out in 2018. They made the names not canon, and Capcom told GameSpot, the website GameSpot, that they said they wanted to make these collections an authentic Mega Man X experience, so they wanted to better align the naming of the Mavericks across all regions for a better narrative cohesion. Fuck you, Capcom. You know, like, if I bought this somewhere, like in some mom-and-pop gaming shop, I'll have this game that has Guns N' Roses characters for no reason whatsoever, and it would be fucking amazing. But you had to go be a, you know, dickle and cut them out. You know what, Capcom? I'm not, I'm not... So far, I'm not uh, not a huge fan of what you're doing right now. I mean, it was cool that you, you know, you threw them in a final fight, and they showed up in Street Fighter. That's cool. But what, you know, what are you doing? You know, you're a dork. Anyway, that's going to get me really annoyed. But again, I don't really care about Mega Man X, so it doesn't really genuinely bother me. But it just bothers me that that's the one thing you're going to change. Like, if, you, if that's the one thing you're going to change, why even change it at all? Like, yeah, people might not get the reference, but it's not obscure enough to to not get it. Like, they'll just be like, oh, this red guy is Axel the Red. But anyway, moving on to uh, more recent games, which is, you know, Mega Man X, the change happened in 2018, but the initial, you know, progress of the names happened in 2000 and then 2006, and which kept going until recently. So a more recent franchise that included some references to Bang Guns N' Roses was Kingdom Hearts. Everybody and their fucking grandma knows Kingdom Hearts. It's Disney characters meets spiky-haired Final Fantasy characters. And it can get really, 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 really fucking boring and complicated. And all I wanted to do was see Goofy, you know, do backflips and shoot magic. But guess what? People had to wait 15 years to see that again if they didn't play the small games. But anyway, I digress. Uh, there is a character named Axel in the Kingdom Hearts games. He spells it A-X-E-L, 
he first showed up in Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories for the Game Boy Advance. It came out in 2004. It was actually a sequel to Kingdom Hearts 1. So I kind of, I played 1 and 2. I kind of forget what happens in 1. But I'm sure Sora and Donald and Goofy do something funny and laugh and hug. And then there's a side story. Uh, Axel's name is all, he's also called the Flurry of Dancing Flames. And he's the nobody of Leah. He is rank 8 in Organization 13. I don't know what any of that fucking means. Because I haven't played a Kingdom Hearts game since 2006. And I loved Guns N' Roses then. And I remember the guy named being Axel. Uh, apparently in Kingdom Hearts 2, he betrayed Organization 13 because he loved Sora and Roxas and Donald or something happened. I don't... My... My... Not hatred for Kingdom Hearts series, but my loathe for it. Like, I just don't get it. I just kind of don't care. He's also... He's in Chain of Memories. He's also in Kingdom Hearts Coded. Whatever. Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance. Kingdom Hearts 2, Kingdom Hearts 3, Birth by Sleep. Oh, and everyone's favorite Kingdom Hearts game, Union X. <sighs> well, whatever, man. This guy, He's in like a black robe. He's got spiky red hair. So he fits the motif of being a spiky-haired Final Fantasy fake character. The whole Kingdom Hearts series for me is just boring. Like I said, I played 1 and 2. But they were fun. They were different. Like, hey, it's a Final Fantasy game, but with Disney characters. And we go to Disney World, and that was fun. And then if you didn't have a Game Boy Advance, or if you didn't have a computer to play a Flash game, or if you didn't have all these other things to play these side stories before they were biding their time to play to sell Kingdom Hearts 3 to you, I just lost complete fucking interest. Like, I didn't care anymore. I know I'm in the 10% of people that didn't, that didn't care. Because Kingdom Hearts 3 came out this past January, and people ate it up. People loved it. Apparently, it was great. I know I'm never going to give it a shot. I know a lot of people that played it, and they said it was great, and it summarizes the story, and it ends the story on a perfect way, but Sora can suck my dick, because I don't care. Uh, another funny thing, another funny reference that Guns N' Roses had in video games was connected to Kingdom Hearts. So in Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, which is, why is it called that? But anyway, there's an item, there's a ring that you can get. Uh, it's called the Lose Your Illusion, which is, if you remember from earlier, Use Your Illusion is the name of their double album. So this is a in-game reference to their double album. Uh, it symbolizes Zexion, and the recipe is one a Richaliacum, four Adamanite, and one Charge Ring. So, you know, a bunch of fucking stupid items that you can make for an in-game reference to a band that nobody probably cares about who plays this. Uh, so in case you want to play Kingdom Hearts 420 over 69 and you want to make this recipe, you know, just repeat what I just said. And there you go. You got your ring of uh, in-game Guns N' Roses reference. Another funny thing about Kingdom Hearts and Guns N' Roses, which is, uh, it's unfortunate that every reference is kind of Axel because it'd be cool if I was able to find actual band references. Like Guns N' Roses had their own, their own pinball machine in the early 90s, which is cool. It's actually a really rare item nowadays. 
And if you find it, I, I heard rumblings around the internet that they're coming out with a new one because Guns N' Roses are kind of big again in the last couple of years. But I couldn't find anything that was, you know, more band related. But I dug a little deeper and even though things seem to be very axle centric, Kingdom Hearts is a very good parallel to uh, Guns N' Roses the band from the years probably the late 90s to now. Uh, so basically Kingdom Hearts started off huge and then there was a huge gap between what came out. Like you didn't, I didn't have time for all these small things. And when I finally, when three finally came out, I was like, uh, I don't really care, but everyone else does. So that kind of happened with Guns N' Roses. So long story short, everybody left the band except lead singer Axel. And in the mid nineties, he went a little, not a little, like a little eccentric. He probably was always like that, but he spent a lot of money. He fired all his bandmates and he started making an album that would take 14 years to come out. It cost $14 million. And in between the time of him working on it, he hired tons of other band members. He didn't release new music. He toured. He, they came out with DVD. They came out with a greatest hits to kind of get people still interested in the name, but it's, it wasn't the same anymore. Guns N' Roses weren't the same thing that they started as. And for me, that was kind of like Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts became less about a fun adventure of Disney characters and Final Fantasy people I didn't care about. And it became just this complicated thing about people, you know, being frozen in their sleep and these dudes in these black robes and this Keyblade War and blah, blah, blah. Like, I didn't care. And it wasn't enough for me. Like, it just, there was too much time was going by for me to be able to play a straight-ahead sequel. Like, they could have re-released, and they did, they could have re-released one and two tons of times. I think they came out as the Kingdom Hearts remix, 1.5 and 2.5, I believe. But that wasn't enough for me. Like, don't just keep regurgitating the shit that you already gave me. And Axl Rose was doing that to people. He was touring and just playing all the same old songs. He started playing newer songs, but there was no album to promote. So he kept touring and kept changing his lineup. And over time, people cared even less. People didn't care at all. People that were fans before in the 90s and 80s didn't give a shit. New fans were just like, who's this old guy running around with this other guy with a bucket on his head? If anyone remembers Buckethead, like, that was a really bad time for uh, Guns N' Roses fans, I'll tell you that much. But when the album was finally released, the album was Chinese Democracy, and it was basically an Axl Rose solo project. All the songs sounded different. I still enjoy listening to it, but it's a very different album than anything Guns N' Roses made because it's not Guns N' Roses. When it came out, it debuted... Uh, this is a weird thing that I fucking remember. Don't ask me why. But it debuted number three on the Billboard charts, right behind Kanye West and Taylor Swift. That's all. I don't fucking know why I remember that. Maybe because I'm just a psycho that is obsessive about Guns N' Roses and video games. But anyway, so that happened, and nobody cared except me. I bought the album. I bought it on vinyl. I was so excited, and the, the album bombed. And I was kind of afraid that that's what would happen to Kingdom Hearts 3. Because I saw this as they waited too long. Like, Axl Rose's greatest hits and his touring was the equivalent of, 
you know, Square Enix putting out side quests for the Game Boy Advance or some the remix of the first game. Like, it, there wasn't anything actually new there. You were just kind of recycling the same bullshit and you're hoping that you can, you know, have a new coat, coat of paint on it. And for me, that wasn't working with Kingdom Hearts. For 90% of the population, that wasn't working with Guns N' Roses. And Axl Rose started playing smaller and smaller venues. People wouldn't book them. And I don't know how Kingdom Hearts fared, but I don't know if people were still buying those little fucking shitty titles, the side quests, because there's all these stories about that stuff. And then finally Kingdom Hearts 3 came out and everyone loved it. And like I, I'm about to say, like there's a happy ending to this because Kingdom Hearts 3 finally came out after years of hype. I think it was announced in 2012 or 13 because... Kingdom Hearts 1, I remember it's either 2002, 2003, and I believe Kingdom Hearts 2 was 2006. And then Kingdom Hearts 3 was, I think, formally titled 2012 or 13. Everyone knew they were making it, but nobody knew where, the, where it was. It was vaporware. It was like Duke Nukem Forever, except not uh, sexist and actually came out. But it came out, and everybody loved it. Uh Guns N' Roses also had, also had a happy ending because over time, I think maybe Axl Rose came to his senses and realized nobody cared about his rotating band members. So he made amends with his old band members. He made amends with Slash, who he hated for 25 years, and vice versa. They grouped together. They grouped together with the original bassist. Uh, they formed what people remember as a remedy of Guns N' Roses, and it became, they toured. It toured around the country, and it was fucking huge, and I was ecstatic. And it is now standing at the number two tour of all time, uh, just calculated for box office results, which is, it's great. It's great that Kingdom Hearts fans got what they wanted. It's great that Guns N' Roses fans, including myself, like just in general, got what they wanted, got what they deserved. Uh, I just find that knowing this before I decided on a topic, it was a very interesting parallel. So I was like, well, where else do does this band show up in video games? And I found out that they show up in video games a lot more than I thought. I thought maybe that was just making that shit up, that this Organization 13, you know, Dumbo named Axel in Kingdom Hearts was just the iceberg. Not the iceberg, you know, tip of the ice. Who fucking says iceberg? But, yeah, so I was able to find a correlation between the two things I loved. And I still love video games, and that's why I'm talking about it now, and I still love Guns N' Roses. And if you only like either one of these things and didn't like the other, maybe it gave you a newfound appreciation for the other thing. Or maybe you were just like, oh, this guy is talking about an old band that I don't, my dad listens to, which is probably true. Uh, but that is, that is what I'm glad I found. I'm glad I found some kind of connection with other real-world stuff. I mean, real-world stuff, like I said. like This is all bullshit anyway, but it's, it's very interesting to find parallels. So, you know, at the end of the day, video games kind of can be gateways to other things. You know, you can... I kind of, you know, just said this in a way, but say you liked Mega Man X5 and didn't know... All the characters are named after Guns N' Roses members. Well, guess what, motherfucker? Now you do. Go try to find an old copy because Capcom went and ruined it. Because they're a bunch of fucking dingleberries. So, again, I hope this was informative for you for either the video game or the band. 
uh, to this is as much as I planned on saying. I didn't know if I was going to be talking loud. This is my first podcast. I've never tried it. Um, what I want to do in the future is kind of do not the same thing, just take a topic and run with it. Kind of take on like a what the fuck moment in gaming and just be like, oh, well, that looks interesting. Like, why the fuck not? So what I hope to do is what I actually did, which is give you information that you didn't know or didn't know you needed about the gaming world. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, let me know. Maybe I can make more episodes. If you didn't, let me know. I can unfollow you, unblock you, and make sure I never talk to you again. But this was really fun. It's really hard for me because I don't have another person to bounce off of. So it was kind of just doing it all myself and just winging it. I hope I don't sound like a fucking idiot. I hope I don't sound like someone that doesn't know what they're talking about. Because 90% of the time I do, I just use a lot of ums and uhs. And I this is video games, so I love talking about video games. So I would like to make more episodes. I will f see how this one turns out with anyone that wants to listen. And again, like I said, if you enjoy it, let me know. I'll continue to make them. And thank you for listening. This has been episode one of the What the Famicom podcast. Have a good evening. I appreciate you listening to my very first episode of my podcast. If you'd like to follow me or find me, I'm everywhere as What the Famicom. Thank you and have a good night. And as a bonus for this very first episode, you get to hear the full version of my terrible video game rap song. Enjoy. Bubsy, Comic Zone, the Virtual Boy, we got them all, got them all, got them all.